I, what, one of the things I appreciate about, uh, thank you, Charlie. Uh, I appreciate um, one of the things I appreciate about singing is sometimes there are things I don't know that I need to say that I just need to say. I just needed to say God was good this morning. I hope you did too. That's good. Um, I hate to ruin this moment by talking, uh, but I have something ready, so maybe we could just do it. If you're comfortable with that, I'll just, I'll just go with that, and that's good. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8 this morning. Um, a few years ago, I noticed something. Uh, at night, when I would go to read, I like to read myself to sleep. That's uh, one of my favorite things. And at night, I started to read, and I noticed my eyes were getting really tired. It was hard to see the words on the page, and I couldn't understand what was happening. I happened to be in Walgreens, and I saw that stand, you know, where they have all the, the, the glasses? And I thought, you know, just for kicks, I'll try one of these on and see what happens. I don't need them. Um, but I noticed that they were two pairs for $20, and so I put on a pair, and I looked in the mirror, and I was startled to see my father looking back at me. <laughs> this old man uh, with clarity now, and I could see hairs that I couldn't see before, and I wondered where all my friends were that had not pointed these things out to me. And not too long after that, I ended up at Costco getting fitted for a uh, full-time glasses. These are just for looks, though. And my point is, it's funny how you can be so close to the words and not be able to see them. They're right there. Sometimes the word of Jesus Christ is hard to see, even when you are walking with him, even when you are living with him. And we're in a series right now for Lent called Sensing Jesus. And we're, we're queuing off of the words of John in 1 John that says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have gazed at and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And it's a reminder to us that Jesus Christ was here. People heard him, they saw him, they touched him. Real people in real contact with a man from Galilee. He was more than a word from God. He was the word of life. He was the word alive. And Lent affords us this opportunity to consider how are we going to encounter this Jesus? And to do this, we're engaging our senses in the gospel. We, the touch of Jesus that provides life into desolate situations. The seeing of him through the eyes of faith. The, the taste of the wine from his own creation. The hearing of his voice. And then as we move towards Easter, the aroma of his death and his life. Last week, we felt the touch of Jesus Christ. This week, we look and hope to truly see him. And we're going to meet him there in Mark chapter 8, if you are, would turn there with me. As you do, I'll give you a little bit of context of what's happening in Mark. At this point in Jesus' life, people cannot see who he really is. In fact, it's going to be at the end of this chapter, chapter that Peter's going to be the first person to declare out loud that Jesus is, you're the Messiah. But most people still, at this point, they find him difficult to see. Who is this guy? What does he want with us? And the problem is not that people are unwilling. No, they are very willing. They want to see. They are curious about him. He's just hard to see clearly. And in fact, most people are not going to see him until he is executed, until he is dead, until he rises again and is seen by hundreds of eyewitnesses. Mark begins this chapter recording that a large crowd gathered with nothing to eat. Jesus 
called the disciples. He said, I'm really sorry for the people. He said, they've been with me for three days now, and they haven't got anything to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll collapse on the way. Some of them have come from so far off. So the disciples gathered together a few loaves of bread and offered it and said, Jesus, we can pass this out. Jesus breaks these few loaves and hands back enough to feed 4,000 people. You think this would clue them in, but the crowds only see the physical. They are still blind to the Jesus who feeds them with bread to demonstrate that he is the bread of life. Well, then Mark tells us that some other people came. The Pharisees came out and began to dispute with Jesus. They were asking him for a sign from heaven. Why? To test him out. Jesus groaned deeply in his spirit. Why is this generation looking for a sign, he said. The Pharisees wanted more proof that Jesus was who he said he was. He had already given them every sign they needed, but no matter what he showed them, they wouldn't see who he was because their hearts were so hard. And then Mark goes on to tell us that even those closest to Jesus had a hard time seeing him. After the incident with the Pharisees, Jesus warns his disciples about this, uh, the yeast. He's, watch out for the yeast. And what he's talking about is the hard-heartedness of the, the Pharisees. Don't let that grow in you. But when he starts talking about yeast, the disciples think he's talking about bread. And they go, well, what? we don't have any bread. We left it all. We ate it all. Remember, it's gone. Jesus replies, why are you mumbling about not bringing bread? Said Jesus, who knew what they were thinking. Don't you get it? Don't you understand? Have your hearts gone hard? Can't you see? with your own, with your two good eyes. Can't you see what? See that while they are worried about the physical bread that they left behind, the bread of life is right there in front of them. And so what Mark is showing us in this chapter is that sometimes Jesus is hard to see. The crowds couldn't see him. His opponents couldn't see him. Even those closest to him couldn't see him. Will anybody see him? And then in verse 22, Mark begins to tell us this. They arrived at Bethsaida. A blind man was brought to Jesus. They begged him to touch him. He took his hand. He led him outside of the village, put spittle on his eyes. Then he laid his hands on him and said, can you see anything? I can see people, said the man, peering around, but they look like trees walking about. Then Jesus laid his hands on him once more. This time he looked hard and his sight came back. He could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him back home. Don't even go into the village, he said. Now, this is a strange story. It's filled with mystery and dis delayed disclosure. Jesus heals a blind man, but then says, don't go to the village. Don't tell anybody what I did. Why? I want to remind you, at this point in Jesus' ministry, he needs to tread lightly. It's one thing for Jesus to travel around talking about the kingdom of God. And sure, this rabbi, you know, confounded leaders with his out-of-the-box thinking, his refusal to lay down judgment. But it's another thing to understand that Jesus is not just announcing a kingdom, but he's claiming a kingship. The disciples have it almost figured out that Jesus is more than a minister. He's the Messiah. He's the true heir to the throne of David. He's the one long promised who would rescue God's people. And this has serious political ramifications. The last thing the Jewish people who are living in Roman-occupied land need is to have one of them claiming to be a king. Do you know there was a well-known temple in that day that was dedicated to worshiping the Roman emperor as a god? There was already one God in Rome. Connecting Jesus with a movement about a new king was treason. So Jesus is saying, just play it cool. 
And mixed in all of this is the issue of sight. I can see people, but they look like trees. We can see Jesus, but he looks like a man. The other thing that's puzzling about this story is, why does he not heal him all at once? Why does he do it in two stages? Doesn't Jesus have the power? Was he tired that day? Kind of worn out? Ugh. Last week, we saw him raise a dead boy just by touching a coffin. Wouldn't healing two eyes be a lot easier? Or is it? Maybe Jesus is showing us something about how hard it is to see him. Maybe just like that blind man, the spiritual sight of the disciples was going to be a two-stage process. I can see people, but they look like trees. We can see Jesus, but he looks like just a man. As you read through Mark chapter 8, you begin to wonder, why is it so hard to see Jesus? Could it be we struggle when Jesus clashes with our expectations? The crowds expected to see a miracle. The Pharisees expected to see a sign. The disciples expected to see, I don't know, what do you think they expected to see? What would you expect to see after traveling and living with this man for three years? Several moments this week, I've had uh, moments where my expectations of what Jesus should be doing uh, have not been met. In the sense that I feel like Jesus is failing me. Why aren't you stepping in and doing something? How could you let this happen? Why did this happen to them? And so it's hard to see Jesus. But in this story of healing, there is some hope. And the hope is that while the disciples can just see Jesus partly, soon they will see him clearly. They will see him as Messiah very soon, and soon they will see him as the resurrected Savior. Here is the hope for us. Jesus never gives up on those who struggle to see. Jesus never gives up on those who struggle to see. Mark is showing us a Jesus who never gives up on myopic disciples and who alleviates human suffering whenever it presents itself. He never gives up on those who struggle to see him. So what about us? What about us today? How can we see him when it's hard to see him? In a letter that was written 20 years after this encounter, the church planter Paul wrote these words. For at the moment, all that we can see are puzzling reflections in a mirror. Then, face to face. I know in part for now, but then I'll know completely through and through, even as I'm completely known. Paul understands the limitations of our sight. He knows that just like a foggy mirror permits only limited perspectives, all that our eyes can see of Jesus now at the best moment are enigmatic images. The mirror we look into shows us only a partial view. All we know of ourselves, all we know of Christ, all we know of this kingdom to come is incomplete. We only have the first stage of sight. The hope we have is that completely through and through, then we will see Jesus. We will enter that second stage of sight. We'll see him face to face and we'll know him even as we are completely known. Well, that's a powerful phrase. Why do we know this? Because Jesus never gives up on those who struggle to see him. I learned a brand new phrase this week, bomb cyclone. 
Had you ever heard of that before this week? At some point, I think they're just making stuff up now. I don't even know what this is. A bomb cyclone. A blizzard descended on our city and it obliterated roads. It got so bad that the highway patrol was tweeting out, please, we're begging you, stay off the roads. Don't even leave your house. We started looking. I couldn't see the house across the street. The Rocky Mountains were gone. But even though we couldn't see the mountains, they were there, right? I had to remind myself, yeah, yeah, I can't see them, but they're there. The faith that Jesus calls us to rarely means that we will know everything. It rarely means we will have utter certitude. By faith, Abraham obeyed God and went out even though he could not see where he was going. To see Jesus today is to discover that he is with us. It is to commit ourselves to him. It is to accept that we are known by him and to see subtle traces of salvation here and now because Jesus never gives up on those who struggle to see him. So what do you do when, it, when he is hard to see? I want to call you today to just keep looking at Jesus. So good for me, Charlie, for you just to have us say God is so good and I don't know about you, but I sometimes I just get into the song because I like to sing I'm not really thinking about what I'm saying. And when you paused, and I was like, you know what? God is good. I need to say that. I need to see him. I need to fix my eyes on the author of my faith and the finisher of my faith. I need to recognize that my own unmet expectations of what Jesus should look like may keep me from seeing who he really is. Let me ask you this. Where is it right now that you cannot see Jesus? Maybe you're looking out towards the future and these mountains that you thought were there, you can't see them. Maybe you're looking, you're looking at a relationship that is on the rocks and you cannot see where Jesus is. Maybe you look at the lack of bread in your life and you wonder, when is Jesus going to provide? Maybe you look in a mirror and you have questions about what Jesus is doing in you. Maybe you even wonder this morning if Jesus sees you. Are you really completely known? And dear people, Jesus longs for you to see him. Sometimes that takes time, and sometimes it happens in stages. Sometimes he looks like a tree before he looks like a man. Where is he calling you to see him today, even if it's just by faith? And this brings us towards the table. I'm going to invite Charlie up um, just to kind of uh, play a little quietly here. We're going to practice something before we move towards the table today. I want to engage our senses in seeing Jesus, and we're going to practice something right now called Visio Divina. Visio Divina invites us to encounter God through image, through art, through seeing. It's a prayerful way of considering something we see that allows us to experience Jesus in a unique way because Looking at art is another way of listening to God. So I'm going to lead us through a brief exercise of asking God to speak to us through what we see. So to do that, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. Just close them. Take a deep breath.
Take another deep breath. Just relax for a moment. Welcome the God who sees you. Consider this question. What are you asking God to show you? I invite you to open your eyes. There's an image on the screen. I want your eyes to stay with the very first thing that you see in this image. Keep your attention on that part. Don't, don't look around to the other part of the picture for a moment. Just breathe deeply and let yourself gaze at that part of the image for a moment. Now let your eyes wash over the whole image. Take your time to really see the whole picture. What emotions is God, or God, is God uh, stirring up in you as you look at this? What is God bringing forth in you? How are you being moved to pray right now? offer you space to take that prayer to God in this moment. now we come to the table. The table is where we see the broken body. We see the cup of the new covenant. Even the table is a two-stage process, right? We, we now eat a little taste of bread and drink a little from a cup, and there's coming a second stage, a meal that we're going to enjoy with him face to face, where we will tip our glasses to the host who used to look so hazy. I'm going to invite you to come to the table today. We have some upstairs and around the room. As you do, uh, take a moment to really see the elements as you take them back. Take a moment to pause around some of our students. See what God might be saying to you through their worship today. But see the Jesus that you're looking for. 
the one who never gives up on those who struggle to see him. Welcome to the table.